0: morning everyone and welcome to All Things Russell on Laker Country 104.9 WJRS, I'm Jeff Hoover along with Tony Kerr and yet another edition of All Things Russell every Friday morning at 8 o'clock uh, right here on Laker Country 104.9 and Tony uh, today a program that um, really has just come together in the last few days thanks to your efforts and some others but a program today that we are really really excited about
1: Jeff you know we're getting ready for Halloween tomorrow and uh, what better way to do it than to have someone on here and especially someone who has connections uh, to Russell County Roberta Simpson Brown uh, educator for 35 years and uh, a writer a very good writer and she writes some uh, good scary stories just want to tell people, if you're not familiar with her work, you can go to the library and check them out. You can buy her books on Amazon, and I think you're going to enjoy uh, hearing uh, from Herb, very nice lady. Uh, you know, Halloween uh, tomorrow. Uh, one thing about this Halloween, Jeff, we've got a full moon tomorrow. That is the first full moon on Halloween since 1944. <laughs> is that right? That's right, and uh, it's a blue moon also, uh, normally normally... Uh, the, a full moon in October is called the Hunter's Moon, but uh, we have a blue moon, but uh, the first one, and that's hard to believe, isn't it, since, since 1944, yeah. a full moon on Halloween. So.
0: <laughs> that, that is hard to believe. That really is hard to believe. <laughs> want to thank um, uh, all of you for listening to All Things Russell last week, a great program, so much feedback, Tony, that you and I received uh, on the program last week, and actually, uh, every week, and so we appreciate our listeners and so many people paying attention and and listening in. And you know, we see people out and they say, "What are you going to talk about next week? What are you going to do next week?" And and I know we both appreciate that. I do want to say, if you have any questions or comments for our guest today, Roberta Simpson Brown, you can um, uh, give us a call. Three four three four 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 four, or you can uh, email us. Uh, send that to all things russell at lakercountry dot All things russell at lakercountry And uh, another shout out to the Russell County Public Library. I called earlier this week and we'll share this story, but they were so helpful. Uh, in getting me some information about our guest today and and some of her background, Tony, that you and I have talked about. And so let's welcome uh, to our program and all things Russell uh, this morning, Roberta Simpson-Brown. Miss Brown, good morning to you. Good morning to you. We are so excited to have you as part of our program here on uh, WJRS, All Things Russell and Uh, appreciate you making some time to be with us tell us uh, just tell us about yourself we know you grew up in Russell County you graduated high school here Uh, tell us about your family and growing up here in Russell County
2: okay well this is a time of year that I get homesick for (laughs) Russell County Um, I was born on a farm my grandmother's farm in a two-room log house Down near the Adair County line, part of her farm was in Adair County, part was in Russell. And the house that I was born in was on Russell County side. So I'm one of those all things Russell. (laughs) uh, I I had one sister who was 10 years older than I. And other than that, um, there were no people around for me to play with very much at my age. So I did a lot of reading, and my parents always encouraged that. And the great thing was that that's where I was introduced to storytelling. Mm. We didn't get a a radio until I was probably seven or eight, and then it was a battery radio. Uh You're too young to remember those things. (laughs) But um, we had to be careful not to run the battery down, so we couldn't play it all the time. But we would gather with friends, after they'd done their chores, and we would tell stories. And for some reason, in the area where I grew up, we told more ghost stories than anything else. We was sharing personal experiences. Um, it just sort of confirmed that, you know, you weren't out there by yourself experiencing these things that, that other people did experience them too. So we had some of the greatest storytellers ever, as far as I'm concerned, in Russell County. Um, we had a neighbor, a man named Hughley Hughes, who used to come in, and he would just sit down and just look like he was, you know, toward the bed, like he was looking at something under the bed, scare us to death. We would just <laughs> <laughs> we would be scared all night. And um, when people asked me, you know, who... Who's your favorite storyteller? Uh, I don't mention the professional ones because I think it's the ones that I grew up with that are the best.
0: Interesting. Interesting. And his name was Huey
2: Hughes. Huey Hughes. Mm
0: hmm. Okay. And, um, and, and Ms. Brown, you say you grew up on the Russell County side of the Russell Adair County line, and right. you attended school in Russell County, Right.
2: Yes, I did. I went to uh, Pleasant Point one-room school the first two years, and I'd walked to school, of course, and I didn't have to worry about school buses, and I didn't have to worry about a lot of space because it was a one-room school, and then when I was nine years old, something really changed my life. Of course, now it would be nothing, but then it was a big thing because... My grandmother sold her farm and moved to Glasgow to live with my Uncle Josh. And my dad built us a house, four-roomed house, which was twice as big as the two-room we lived in. <laughs> and uh, then I had to ride a school bus and go to a, a school that not only had two rooms, it had two floors. And I was just lost. It was just a total... Total change, but I had uh, great teachers along the way, great people. So i I, I made it through. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't and, scared for too long.
0: And so but, you went to, I guess, Russell Springs, Springs and then the to elementary school. Yeah, to the elementary, uh, and that was mm-hmm. the that was the two story that sort of traumatized you initially right
2: oh my yes that was like going to new york or something
0: (laughs) and you graduated (laughs) russell county high school um i think 1958 and then tell us another event happened in your life graduating from russell county high school you started college tell us about that
2: well i went to berea it's a really special school I couldn't have gone to college without berea because they uh, they gave us jobs and we we were paid like twenty five cents, you know, but we, all we had to pay for a movie was twenty five cents, so wow. it was on a low <laughs> scale, and my college debt when I got out was three hundred and twenty five dollars, and I paid that right away so <laughs> it's,
1: hard. it's not bad.
2: No, it's hard to realize that people are so in debt today with the colleges. But Berea was very special. Um, A teacher once told me at an in-service meeting in Jefferson County that she could always tell when Bereans were there because they would just rush to each other like family. And that's the way it was at Berea. Yeah, yeah. Also,
1: Miss Roberta, at at Berea, you you became uh, more acquainted with uh, storytelling and uh, decided to start collecting stories, writing stories, uh, and that was a great place to do that.
2: Oh, yeah. I always wanted to write. Even before I could write, Daddy would ask me what I wanted from town when he went to town on Saturday, and I would say a tablet, and he'd get me one of those little first-grade tablets, and I'd scribble it full. I had no idea what I said, but... (laughs) <laughs> I wrote in <it> anyway. <laughs> so I did get a chance to be exposed to storytelling. Um, even in high school, we had um, like Leland Boyles and, and Mr. Tarter and Miss Murdy Sullivan. Um, these people, they really did help me. They were great storytellers themselves. And when I was in Berea, of course, I majored in uh, English area and drama. At Berea, drama was the important thing. They had sports, but it, it wasn't as important as drama. Hmm. So I was in all the plays, and I got a background there.
1: Yeah, now you were you were in education for thirty five years, so you yes. had a background in education and uh, taught taught English, right?
2: Right, English and well, writing and drama. I first taught at. Pleasure Ridge Park High School and then I taught at Southern Middle School. The name's been changed several times. It was a very troubled area and um, I have some interesting stories that I will write someday about that but (laughs) it's storytelling got me through a lot of situations (laughs) in school. Well
0: we have uh learned, I guess Tony has shared with me, and um, after Berea, you went into teaching and and had a career and a profession as a teacher, and the incident where some particular young boys thought they could bully the new teacher, and uh, you had to respond by maybe telling a story and and getting their attention and scaring them a little bit. Would you share that with
2: us? (laughs) Are you talking about the incident where they held a a male teacher at the third floor window by his heels? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He was a math teacher who was a very nice old man, but they thought he was a wimp, (laughs) and those kids (laughs) did not like wimps. So they... For some reason, they weren't sent home right away. They came on to my class, and they said, what would would you do if we did that to you? And I said, well, I probably would die if you did that to me, so I wouldn't do anything. But if I didn't, I would hunt you down. (laughs) And the boy just laughed and said, you probably would. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> these were a different breed of kid. If if I had said, "I'm going to report you because you just threatened me," I mean they would have put me out that window in a heartbeat. But <laughs> it was a, believe me, it was an interesting experience there, and and they did listen to stories, and storytelling is is traditional in Kentucky. Well, everywhere, but but in Kentucky. Even in the cities, you know, the, the grandparents would tell them stories. So it's not just an Appalachian thing. It's, it's all over. Yeah,
0: and Ms. Brown, share with us, uh, you, you mentioned very briefly Murdy Sullivan and some others, but some Russell County teachers that had uh, an impact on your life and, and helped you as a young student. Uh, just share that some some memories of teachers here in Russell County that impacted your life.
2: Oh, there are so many. Um, I can't help but think of Miss Powell, uh, Miss Beatrice Powell, who was a librarian. Oh yeah. You remember her? Well, I do. Yes, we do. She knew that I didn't have any way to get into town uh, in the summer, and she knew that I loved to read. You didn't have that nice new library down there when I was growing up. (laughs) So she would get in books during the summer, and she would come down and bring me those books and ask me to read them and write a review about them. And she'd put them up on the bulletin board sometimes or even pay me a little bit, you know, for writing. And I thought I was doing her the biggest favor in the world. And then as I grew older, I realized what she was doing for me. Because she was the lifeline between me and those books. I wouldn't have had anything to read that summer if it hadn't been for her. And I did get a chance to tell her that and to thank her.
0: That's great.
2: But we just, Leland Boyles was just so special. He told great stories to illustrate the subject matter and, um, Miss Murdy Gaskins was also a, a cousin of mine, but she just she's inspired me so much, um, and she would help me, you know, in college if I needed something, and she was always there for me. And so I just I always thought of her as a second mother. Miss Roberta, when,
1: when did you when did you write your first book?
2: Well, it was in the, the 90s, of all things. I'd been telling stories with the Corn Island Storytelling Festival, and I would prepare two stories um, before I went to a big event. And one time I had written um, a little, you know, kind of a little puny-like story to back up, but the one I was going to tell, but I had chosen to tell the monkey's paw And that's a a very scary story about W.W. Jacobs. Well, this great storyteller was at the festival, and she got up right before me and told that story. I had to (laughs) tell my little puny story. And I said, this will (laughs) never happen to me again. I will write my own stories, and nobody will know them. And that's how I started writing them.
0: Interesting. (laughs) The first
2: book, I I sent it off to one publisher in New York, and they sent it back and said, It's a little too scary. Could you maybe focus (laughs) on younger people? Redo it. I typed that whole thing by hand, you know, by the manual typewriter. And it was that point that I decided I would learn to use the computer. So. (laughs) I I got the book, I, I revised it, I sent it back, and they sent it back again. And they said, there's a story here that my editor thinks it's still a little bit too scary. Well, I put it up on the shelf, and I turned to go downstairs from my office, and something just said, it will never be published on that shelf. So I just got it put it in the mail to August House Publishing, and I got a call from them in two weeks, and they accepted that, and, and now I've, I've written four books for August House.
0: And your first book was The Walking Trees and Other Scary Stories. Right. And, and that's the one you're talking about.
2: Yeah. Then yeah. I did Queen of the Cold-Blooded Tales, Scared in School. And then the University Press of Kentucky called and asked my husband Lonnie and me to do some stories based on folktales, but just sort of um, flared out a bit, you know. Um, they didn't want just, just a folktale. They wanted it to appeal to younger readers, too, and make it into a real story. Mm-hmm. So we did three books for them. And then we've done some books for Schiffer and um, Whitechapel press, so we're um,
0: uh, one one of the books that um, I picked up earlier this week, and I have to tell you this story so Tony and I talked, and he mentioned about having you as a guest on the program, and he was going to talk with you to see if you'd be interested and And I'll be honest, I wasn't familiar uh, with you or your works. And so I called the Russell County Library, which we are so very proud of and thankful for. And I asked um, the young man who answered, I said, do you have any books by Roberta Simpson Brown? And he said, oh, yes. And I (laughs) said, so you recognize her? And he said, oh, yes. He said, she... Uh, referring to you, came to Russell County High School several years ago and told some stories to a class, and he remembered that vividly. He was very familiar with all of your works and your books, and uh, we had a great conversation. And I went up and picked up uh, The Queen of the Cold-Blooded Tales, which I hope to read this weekend, but I also picked <laughs> up uh, Campfire Tales in Kentucky. And
2: yes, uh for publishing.
0: Yes, and it it is so fascinating, and I was telling Tony before we went on the air, just the short stories. I mean they're two, three pages long each, but this collection of short stories and I just wondered how you came
2: about all of these different stories. Oh ideas are always coming from stories. Um well, sometimes I'll even be in class with kids, and I'll I'll say, "Well, let's let's do a story," and you know, you want to take something familiar and make it turn on people, and yeah. um, you've got to make have a likable character, and then, as Stephen King says, turn the monsters loose. Um, <laughs> so I, I I get ideas like just saying, "What if?" Um, I was in this classroom once and I said okay let's make up a story about a little boy getting walled up in the the school wall and we came up with you know a, a construction going on and the boy came in and and his ball rolled back in in one of the openings and he went in there and hit his head and then when the construction workers left they had closed that up and of course They left him in the in the wall. Well, this little boy—this was in Texas, by the way. This little boy wouldn't come back to the library, (laughs) (laughs) right? It was in the wall. So (laughs) this was a fortunate thing that some um, burglars came along and broke through that the wall in the area in the library and stole some stuff. So I sent the little boy a message, and I said, well, when they broke in, the little boy's ghost got out, so you can go back to the library, and he did. <laughs>
0: interesting,
2: interesting. <laughs>
0: and, and, and Miss Brown, in, in these stories, these campfire tales of Kentucky, I, you know, I read several of them. I re, probably read two-thirds of the book last night, but these stories have a lot of Russell County names. Uh, uh-huh. It, it's... it's is that intentional? Is that just something you took uh, from growing up in Russell County? I mean, in, a, in the story, The Neighborhood Watch, there's Granny Redmond and the Cale mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the Gosser family in another story. And, and just on and on, Bethlehem Church, which you mentioned earlier, you grew up in that area. These mm-hmm. are mentioned prominently throughout many of these stories. Uh, tell us about that.
2: Well, I don't intentionally write about any particular person, but the names do come from my childhood.
0: Yeah.
2: And I I do write about the familiar names. It's not about a particular person. Right. I I wouldn't do that unless I, I had um had permission to do that. But um one of my signature stories is Stormwalker, and that was about my neighbor Jim Cravens who um, used to walk me to school, and he didn't every day, you know, but we would often meet up because he lived on the next farm. And I was scared of storms, so one day the teacher let us out early, and, of course, the storm turned into a tornado, and I was caught out in this, and Jim showed up and showed me where to go for shelter. But when I got home, I discovered he had been dead for two hours. So this really got me interested in ghosts. I wanted to to research. I joined the Louisville Ghost Hunters, worked with the American Ghost Society. Uh, I'm not interested in cults and that kind of thing. I don't want anything like that, but I want to find evidence that there is life after death and these stories that i come up with um sometimes are based on a grain of truth that that make me know that life goes on
0: you know one of the interesting things in in one of your campfire tales uh the neighborhood watch you uh you, you talk about getting a bologna sandwich and an RC Cola and as I was reading <laughs> that I thought only people in Kentucky would recognize <laughs> the importance of a bologna sandwich and even know what an RC
1: Cola was. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yes. Mr. Roberto, yeah. you uh, you know, you've investigated some paranormal and you live in Louisville and I, the obvious question have you ever been to Waverly Hills?
2: Yes, I've led an overnight tour Uh through Waverly. (laughs) There's some great stories there. You know, I think the story that um, the thing that has unnerved me more than anything I've ever seen was at Waverly. We were on the second floor. It was a private tour, and um, we just had cameras, of course, and and flashlights because there's no electricity up there. And if you know about Waverly, you know that this building uh, was almost destroyed by vandals. Uh, one of the owners wanted to tear it down and build the biggest statue of Jesus Christ in the world. But they wouldn't give him permission to tear it down because it was on the historic register. So he just invited people in, and they just nearly destroyed it. So, um it's it's a really really spooky place and and if you're there, um, you'll almost always experience something. So um, when we were going through, um, the lights were on the floor and rain had come through the windows and puddled in the hallway just a little puddle and while we were all standing there looking at it, wet, footprints came out just the footprints of bare feet walking out of that puddle a few steps down the hallway and for some reason it was just like there was something there that i couldn't see but i i knew it was there because of the footprints
0: wow Hmm. tell us um some are you working on anything now any Uh, projects you have going on now?
2: Well, I'm writing stories all the time. I haven't put it in uh, manuscript form yet. I'm working on something called Roads Best Not Taken. And I just, when I think of a story about that fits in that theme, I just go write it and put it in. But I haven't actually gotten it um, together Back in uh, 2016, I lost my voice. There was a virus that just took it. And for two years, I really couldn't promote anything. I couldn't go to book signings or anything because I was just talking, you know, like that. So in 2018, I was at a paranormal conference, and I ran up on uh, this Cherokee shaman, Willie Windwalker, and I just made the comment, you know, Willie, I think I'm cursed. And he just kind of smiled, and he said, "Well, you have run into some negative energy <laughs> and he he blessed me. he He put some oil on on the side where my uh, vocal cord was paralyzed, and he he did a couple more things, and he said, "Now I've blocked the negative energy, and I've blessed you, so you'll be okay. Well, I didn't think much about it, but by the time I got home, I could talk.
1: It's hmm, incredible.
2: So my voice is still not bad with the power it used to have, but it is interesting. <laughs> it <laughs> makes you think.
1: Miss <laughs> Roberta, we always associate uh, scary things, scary stories, with Halloween, but uh, that wasn't always the case. When you were growing up, you said uh, a lot of ghost stories uh, were told around. Christmas time, and and Absolutely. you know one of the most famous uh, ghost stories uh, is a Christmas story called "A Christmas Carol" by uh, Charles Dickens.
2: Right, and that one was taken from one. Um, let's see, it was about the sextons, um, a sexton who the goblins who stole a sexton or something. Anyway, there's a character Gabriel Grubb, that Dickens had written about, and he based Uh, Scrooge on that character. So there's a lot of interesting stories that you can find in old things like the Pickwick Papers that that came from Dickens' collection. But um, yes, Christmas was the traditional time for storytelling. And I, I guess it was because... You know, now people can get in the car and drive somewhere for dinner and come back home. But back then, they had to go and, and stay a few days because it was a long way. And they would sit around at night and tell stories.
0: Yeah, and many so, of your short stories here, uh, as an example, in camp Campfire Tales, uh, reflected that period of time of where there was a traveling salesman or uh, the the uh, neighborhood took care of each other while the father or the husband was away working it, it, most of those were from a period of time totally different than we live in now
2: right and listening
0: right? to all things Russell on Laker Country 104.9 WJRS Jeff Hoover, Tony Kerr and our very special guest this morning is roberta simpson brown russell county native and a storyteller and we're so happy to have her as part of the program and again uh, if you're interested in reading some of uh, roberta simpson brown's works uh, visit the russell county public library talking yesterday with uh, Lindsay Westerfield the director there they have several different uh, several copies of these different books and uh, I encourage you to go by and read some of
1: these Tony. Mr. Roberta, how about a scary story or two or three?
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um this is one that has actually been picked up in other countries. It's um it's called Earthbound and The idea is that we sometimes hold our loved ones close to us after they die, and they're earthbound because we don't release them and let them go on to the next level. So this this is one of those stories, okay? Mm -hmm. Marty got out near the church and headed down the road to the old farm he loved. He couldn't remember exactly how long he'd been away. He hadn't wanted to leave in the first place, but some things couldn't be helped. He'd had no choice. The worst thing about leaving was the way his mother had cried. He'd been the only one left to help her work the farm, and he hadn't been able to do that after the accident. He wouldn't be coming back now except for his mother's grieving. She hadn't actually asked him to come, but he could tell by her crying that she wanted him to. His legs felt wobbly as he walked along because he wasn't used to walking. He had to go slowly, but he didn't mind. It gave him a chance to look at the farm. Most things hadn't changed, yet something was different. It gave Marty a peculiar feeling because he couldn't figure out what it was. He felt out of place, and that disturbed him. He knew every inch of those cornfields, and he knew he'd always be bound to that land. The wind was picking up, and he could hear the corn rustle like uh, corn fairies whispering. In the farmhouse down the road, Marty's mother was thinking about the old days, too. She was wishing this stormy night could be like those when the family was together, Her husband would come in from the fields, and they'd sit around the fire after supper, and she'd read to Marty. After her husband died, she still had Marty, and he'd been such a comfort. She dreaded stormy nights now, now that she was alone. This would be a bad one, while the first clap of thunder had jarred Marty's picture right off the wall. Back down the road, Marty tried to walk faster. He thought he'd be home by the time the storm broke, but he was very tired now. Every breath he took burned his lungs. His throat felt dry and dusty, and his shoes were covered with dirt. He could see the shape of the old barn looming in the distance now. The combine would be inside. It was odd, but he hadn't thought of it since the accident. He saw the farmhouse beyond, and Wish the black clouds wouldn't roll in so fast. He really needed to hurry, but his body wouldn't respond like it used to. As he passed the barn, the air felt heavy and damp, and there was a strong, musty odor around him. Something definitely was not right, and it worried him, but he was almost home. He could see the light in the window, and he knew his mother would be happy to see him. He wondered if she'd think he'd changed much. The first raindrops hit Marty as he reached the yard. His energy was spent, but he forced himself to keep going. He could hardly wait to see his mother's face. The storm began to rage around him as he climbed the steps to the porch. The wind tore at his clothes and drove him against the railing. He stumbled and grabbed the old porch swing. His weight banged it against the side of the house. Marty's mother heard the noise, and through the window, Marty saw her move to the door to see what had happened. As the door opened, he turned toward her and gave her his biggest smile. For a few seconds, she stood there blinking, trying to adjust to the darkness. She smelled a musty, rotten odor And then a flash of lightning revealed the figure before her. In an instant, she saw the grinning skull and the rotting burial clothes of her dead son. She stared in disbelief as the thing from the grave reached out to her. And then Marty's mother fell forward into the skeleton's bony arms. Earthbound. Wow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's 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 a good story, <laughs>
0: Roberta Simpson Brown on all things Russell and uh, what a story! What a storyteller! I mean, I love how you tell the story.
1: It's uh, it's why you're uh, such an acclaimed storyteller, Miss Roberta. I, I was we were talking about uh, people that used to tell stories, and I remember Uncle Billy Bolin on Beckham Ridge.
2: Yeah, I knew him. uh,
1: Billy could tell some great stories, and you could go down to Uncle Billy's. Uh, The problem was you went down there, he told you the stories and scared you, and then you had to walk back home on on (laughs) Becker Ridge.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that was the story of some man who got so scared, he he ran through the door when he got home. (laughs) (laughs) Tell tell us another one. Well, another one, huh? Okay. This one... um, it's called Feed My Cats, and it's sort of a Halloween story. Bigwin's claws right. raked across the basement door that led up to Anna Eaton's kitchen. Meow! he roared. Anna stroked her other cats as she tore open the packaged cat food and filled the bowls that lined the kitchen wall. They began to gobble the food at once. Meow! Big One repeated, still scratching at the door. The nailing and the scratching on the basement door reminded Anna that her favorite cat hadn't been fed yet. Big One didn't eat as often as the others. Oh, but his appetite was ferocious once he began to get hungry. Be patient, Big One, she called. I'll see that you get your favorite treat soon. Big One began to purr. Anna was glad he was happy. It wouldn't be wise to keep him waiting too long. Anna took especially good care of her cats. She lived alone, so she had plenty of time to spoil them. She knew people talked about her, but she didn't care. Her greatest pleasure was to watch her cats eat, especially Big One. Anna didn't know where Big One had come from, actually. He appeared at her door one stormy Halloween night. When she was very lonely, she opened that door and she brought him in, and she fed him. And since that night, he had been her closest companion. She found out quite by accident that what he preferred to eat, and it wasn't always able uh, or easy to get that kind of food. Sometimes it required a great deal of planning and effort. She couldn't let him go out to hunt his own food. He was much too rare. Somebody might take him away from her. She kept him locked in the basement so nobody would know he was there. Meow! Screeched Big went impatiently, scratching the door again. All right, called Anna. I'll arrange for your treat now. Oh, she hated to call the neighbors and co-workers down at the office, especially since they had made unkind remarks to her in the past, but she needed help with her um, cats in order to make arrangements for Big One. She had no choice. She phoned her neighbor, Madeline Miller, first. Madeline, I, uh, I wonder if you could do me a favor well anna just was kind of stunned that um madeline agreed because madeline had made some unkind remarks when her cats had gotten out but madeline remembered that and she thought well maybe i can make it up to her i was kind of bad to her about her cats she said okay i'll i'll come over and feed them but I don't understand, Anna. Why can't you just put food out for them yourself if you're leaving? Oh, I can't do that, Anna said. They are so many of them, they get in a fight. Oh, okay, Madeline said. I, I guess I can do it. Well, Anna said, now, I'll leave the, the tea under the mat. You're just such a dear to do this for you. I'll have everything ready. The cats will be in the kitchen. Now, don't open the basement door. My steps are steep and dangerous, and I don't want anybody falling down them. I'll just leave the key on the mat. Bye. Anna rushed about preparing what she had to do. As soon as she hung up, Madeline was filled with misgivings. She didn't like going into the empty house alone, but she had no choice. Anna was counting on her to feed the cats. Late that afternoon, Madeline went to Anna's house, just as she promised. She was hoping the key wouldn't be there, so she would have an excuse not to go in, but it was under the mat. As Madeline stepped inside, the cats immediately emerged from dark corners to greet her. They rubbed against her legs, eager for dinner. Anna had set the food out and left written instructions Madeline followed the instructions and opened the packages and cans and filled the bowls. The cats rushed over and began gulping down the food. Madeline felt good about doing that. She, she thought, well, I can see why she likes those little cats. They're so cute. Then the sound from the basement stopped her in her tracks. Meow, meow, big one's voice boomed. I thought she left all her cats in the kitchen, Madeline said aloud. Meow, she heard again. This time the mail was followed by frantic scratching on the door. Poor thing, thought Madeline. It smells of food and can't get to it. Now I bet Anna didn't know it. I bet she didn't know it was down there when she closed the door. Meow, big one's getting louder. Okay, okay, I'll let you out, said Madeline. Anna told me not to open the basement door, but I know she'd want me to feed you. The door was unlocked, so she pulled it open. She was face to face with the biggest cat she'd ever seen. Madeline had only a second to stare at Big One. His dark, shadowy form leaped at her. She saw blazing green eyes and fiery red claws as sharp teeth tore into her flesh.
1: Yeah
2: screeched Big One, pouncing and pulling his prey down the basement steps to where Anna was waiting. Anna stood among the shadows in the far corner of the basement, and she watched with pleasure as Big One finished his treat. She had done what she had to do. She had bags and a mop and a bucket of water in case she needed to clean up after Big One was through.' They always do what you tell them not to, chuckled at Anna. I warned her not to open the basement door. <laughs> that's
1: that's, that's a great a cat, story. That, that is a good story.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it just reinforces why I don't like cats. <laughs> 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 Miss, uh, uh, Miss Brown, tell us... Um, who, who's some of your favorite authors? Who, who do you enjoy reading and following in, in the works that they do?
2: Well, I liked, I always liked Stephen King uh, until he had some of his stories now too much, I think. But he's really a, an excellent writer. Um, I always followed his advice about making the character likable and turning the monsters loose. And, of course, I like Ed Carell and Poe. He said to, to take everything to create one effect. Um, like you'd even use your verbs to describe things. I have that in one story where I use verbs, you know, in, in addition to adjectives and things. Um, I like an author named Bentley Little. Um, Dean Coons. Um, John Saul, well, some of these are are older, um, and the the kids always ask me what my favorite scary movie was, and I used to tell them it's To Kill a Mockingbird, and they'd say, "What? That's not a scary story," but in that in that movie. Do you remember the scene about the children coming through the woods after they'd been to school for a um, Halloween event? Well, I... And
0: they're on their way back home, right?
2: Home, and there's somebody following them. I watched that movie... Yeah. Oh, I don't know how many numbers. I always watch it sometime on Halloween because that's the scariest thing. I, I have seen it so many times, but it still scares me. So, Harper mm-hmm. Lee would be <laughs> right in there with my scary authors.
1: What do you remember about uh, Halloween and trick-or-treating when you were young here in Russell County?
2: Well, actually, I don't remember getting to go trick or treating, but but the neighbors would sometimes get together. We we bobbed for apples, and Mom usually made um, some kind of cookies or something. We had treats, um, but we were so far out in the country. Uh, you know, there were weren't houses to go to. There weren't that many, so I didn't I didn't get to go trick or treating that way. I miss those old goblins now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mr. Roberta, talk a, a little bit more about uh, your search for paranormal activity. I know you, we talked that you've been to Waverly. Where are some other places in Kentucky that uh, you, you've been, you and Lonnie?
2: Um, well, I've done an overnight on the Bell of Louisville. Uh, when we did it, I think this was back in 2004, they didn't want us to tell anything that we discovered. And, um, then later, when they needed some extra funding, they, they allowed another group to come in and, and actually tell what they'd seen. But Captain Winters is, um, very active on the bell. I've talked with the crew and they've seen him. He was, um, he was on his way, um, He was sick or something, but they came to get him to take him away to um, put him in jail because he had been hauling illegal stuff or something. And one time he was angry at um, one of the workers, and he put him out on the paddle wheel to clean, and then he ordered them to start the wheel. You'd think that that worker Floyd would be the one haunting it, but, but it's the captain. And then we found that there is a ghost in the lady's washroom on the bell. Um, and I have seen her. I didn't realize it at the time. I was hurrying up, and I was trying to make sure my hair was okay before I dashed out the door. And I saw this woman behind me in the mirror, and I said, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And I turned around, and she was gone. And she wasn't in any of the stalls or anything, but she appears in the mirror to people. So that's that's another place. Another time um, is the um, the theater um, downtown. Let's see, um, a palace, the Palace Theater. I've done overnights there. Um, there's just. Oodles, oodles of place, places. Run Inn, um, places up in Eastern Kentucky. Private places that we've been. We've been in Chicago and um, other places in Illinois, like Decatur and Alton and and places like that. But it's 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 fascinating, you know. The odd thing is that I write about gruesome things, and and nobody escapes on <laughs> my stories. <laughs> but when when I have experienced paranormal things it's not been that scary. It's it's been like Jim helping me or um somebody just maybe wanting to send a message to somebody or something. Uh-huh. Interesting. I am convinced that there that life goes on, it's eternal. We change and we move on but that's
0: my opinion. It's interesting, and again, uh, here on All Things Russell this morning, we're talking with Roberta Simpson-Brown, American storyteller and Russell County native, and I just want to encourage folks, if you're interested in reading her works and some of her books, they're available at the Russell County Library, Tony, and uh, I know it's certainly... Piqued my interest this week, and reading as I did last night, I'm looking forward to reading this weekend. Queen of the Cold Blooded Tales. And Miss Brown, is that is that probably your foremost uh, writing or your uh, most popular book?
2: Well, it would be um, Queen of the Cold Blooded Tales or The Walking Trees. Uh-huh. Probably they're both about neck and neck in sales. I think. And I did not choose that title, by the way. I did not call myself the Queen of the Cold-Bloody Tales. <laughs> a friend of mine was introducing me at a festival, and he is the one that called me that. And my publisher liked it, so they, they insisted on using that as a title.
1: You know, you're probably going to be stuck with that now.
2: I think so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: If uh, w- Once we get through this uh, pandemic, uh, are you going to go back out and go to uh, forums and, and start signing books again?
2: I'll be writing, but I'm not going to travel too much. I'm 81 years old now, and I just can't do a lot of the things I used to do. A lot of my programs were were outside, and it's really too dangerous for me to get around in the dark now. <laughs> I'm just going to maybe do things inside if I want to, but I'm not going back out full time. I wish I could. I enjoyed coming to Russell County School so much because it was a strange feeling. I would be in the hallway. Of course, it's a middle school now, of course, and um, but I would just feel like I was back in those high school days, and it looked like, their faces were the faces of the kids I went to school with, and for just a minute I was back in time. Yeah. And then, of course, I was back in reality. <laughs> but it, you know, you just you go to these places and and you just feel just um, uh, a kinship with the past. Life is continuous; it just goes on and on.
1: Mr. Berta, what advice would you give to? Uh young folks today, maybe someone that wants to be a writer, become a storyteller. What would uh, what would you tell them?
2: Well, I'd say start right now. Don't say I'm going to be. Start right now. Um, when I was growing up, kids didn't think they could be writers until they were older. And to tell you the truth, I thought people had to, to live in New York, and I thought guys had to have beards, and women had to wear little hats and, and silly stuff like that. But you can write anywhere, anytime. So set aside some time every day and write. Even if you wad it up and throw it in a waste can, get in a routine of writing. Don't let anybody interrupt you. Just take it from there. And then um, I'd say pick something That you're comfortable with writing not necessarily people always say write something you know well I certainly don't know about all these monsters that I write about but I don't know why but those stories come to me and they helped me a great deal in helping students and adults too for that matter in workshops it helped to deal with fear once you, you have a story, you can control your fear in that. But then it helps you when you go out and face real fears, because that it, it just carries on over. Um, I would also say, read, 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 read. Thank uh, you, it,
0: thank you. I agree.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get emails from kids that I taught, and the greatest pleasure is for me to read, Miss Brown, you made me want to read. And I get that over and over. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I'm glad whatever I did worked because that is so important, so important.
0: And so many kids today just don't do it. Uh, And it is so important. It's the most important thing I think young people can do, or any of us can do.
2: Yeah, but they've got all the, the games to play, and and you see kids now they've got a phone in their Everybody's got a phone in their hand, and they just need to get away from that sometimes and just just hold a book, a real book.
1: Miss Roberta, we have about feels. we have about two minutes before we have to wrap this up. Uh, what's the scariest thing that's ever happened to you?
2: Oh, the scariest thing that's ever happened to me is to be in a thunderstorm. Uh, I am terrified of lightning. And my students thought that was just hilarious, that I wrote these scary stories, but I was afraid of (laughs) (laughs) thunderstorms. I I remember being at my neighbor's house one time at a... Fourth of July party, there was a clap of thunder, just a little bitty cloud, and I remember running across their yard, across the street, down our drive, and I was all the way in the, all in the living room before I realized that I had run by a man in a wheelchair. <laughs> and at that point, <laughs> I decided i better work on my fear of thunderstorms. <laughs> Fortunately he was very self sufficient and everybody else was there to help him. But he used to tease me and say, Looks cloudy, Roberta, I might need some help. <laughs> <laughs> well but Ms. I'm not those. Uh, Roberta goes.
0: Roberta Simpson Brown, we thank you so much for being on our program this morning and we're just so proud of the work that you have done and, and your profession and as an educator and uh just fascinating storytelling and we just thank you for being on our program and letting folks know about this very special person named roberta simpson brown author storyteller who is from russell county kentucky
2: thank you for having me it's good to be back in russell county even if it's just my voice
1: (laughs) well i gotta ask you this Can, can we do this again sometime
2: Well, sure. You ought to do Christmas ghost
1: stories. Okay. Sounds like a a program in the making. We're going to do that. Let's start planning. (laughs) Mr. Berta, if you you see Aunt Nellie, tell her I said hello. Uh, I sure will. Tell Lonnie hello, and uh, again, thank you for joining us today. It has been a a great uh, pleasure. It's been a quick hour, too.
2: Yes, it has gone by really
0: fast. <laughs> That's Roberta Simpson Brown, Russell County native and author and storyteller. And uh, Tony, we really appreciate her being on the program. Great program. Next week, uh, we're going to focus on veterans. Veterans and Day coming up. Veterans Day coming up on uh, November the 11th, of course, and next Friday, Tony and I are going to focus on veterans. And uh, we have a very special program in the works and ask you to join us again next Friday for We're that. we to have
1: some vets coming in. We're going to talk uh, to some guys uh, who have been uh, in combat, who have been in war, uh, hopefully uh, some Co- uh, Co- Korean War veteran perhaps and uh, Vietnam uh, veterans. So join us for that as we uh, honor our, our veterans and those who've served uh, for Veterans Day. For Tony Kerr, I'm Jeff Hoover, and this is All Things Russell.
0: On Laker Country 104.9 WJRS, Jamestown, Russell Springs, Kentucky.